Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Belling up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. My name is Craig Toth. And if you're wondering, you are not listening to Minor League News and Brews, the Pirates Minor League podcast that I host that comes out every Saturday. No, you are listening to this week's episode of Bucks in the Basement. Found out earlier this morning that Chris Lanuti is on the IL, or more succinctly, the SL. Feeling a little bit under the weather today, so you are getting a solo episode of Bucks in the Basement, and we do have a lot to talk about. Some stuff that I was really hoping to bounce some ideas off of Chris, but instead I will be bouncing them around my brain and giving them to you late Yesterday, I guess it would be early afternoon, not late afternoon, Jason Mackey came out with a report that Pirates pitcher Johan Oviedo was dealing with right elbow issues and pain. There was nothing definitive yet on how to fix the problem, but Tommy John is being discussed, and this is not a small issue. And it really doesn't even matter what your opinion of what Johan Oviedo was last year or what Johan Oviedo could be. I know there was some inconsistency. Some people had listed him as a question mark. Most of us had kind of put him into the rotation. You know that when Chris and I talk about the rotation, we don't assign players numbers there's no one two three four five we give I mean at most somebody who's a top of the rotation arm middle of the rotation arm back of the rotation arm but especially when it comes to team building during the offseason we ask the simple question is this guy one of the five moving forward Mitch Keller is the given and pretty much the only given at this point in time. But Johan Oviedo, to me and to Chris, was not a question mark. It was that he was going to be one of those five guys. I mean, his ERA wasn't stellar last year, but as you know, Chris and I 
always look at the whip johan oviedo down below 1.40 with the 1.373 which would make him a starter on i mean i would say pretty much almost every pitching staff within mlb so i mean you could count him to be at least a five or a back end of the rotation, depending on how you'd want to say, we would want to say probably at the best, you know, maybe middle, maybe a three, depending on who you're looking to add. For me, the bigger thing is that, you know, Johan was a workhorse last season, pitched 177.2 innings, so when you look at what the Pirates starting rotation and especially the whole pitching staff is going to have to do in 2024 to fill those innings, when you have a guy that had been built up that much, and I know that there is stuff out there as to people saying and showing and you know reposting the posts or the tweets or the X's that they had put out towards the end of the season saying should we limit you know his innings it's it's more than he's ever done and then people with their rebuttals saying he actually was you know kind of limited towards the end didn't really go that deep into games that many pitches towards the end and I don't know I feel like Tommy John surgery or a Tommy John injury is something that you know, can kind of come out of nowhere from time to time. And in saying that, you know, I'm not comparing myself to an athlete, but I have, you know, some back issues from time to time. And the two times where I have injured my back the most to the point where I have torn a muscle in my side, Uh, The first time I did that, I was picking up one of my youngest son's toys a few years back and pretty much threw out my back and tore a muscle. And the other time is when I was picking up my sister-in-law's light carry-on to carry it up uh, my wife and her parents' steps. leading into Thanksgiving and then was out of commission for the rest of the weekend and actually had to go to the hospital to get some pain meds to be able to, you know, be able to even be a passenger on the ride home. But it wasn't when I was lifting something heavy. It wasn't when, you know, as I was overexerting myself, it was when I was doing the simplest of tasks. And that's when that injury came I mean, could it be a portion of it? I mean, I guess so. I, I could give you a little bit of that. But with hindsight being 2020, I can't really, I mean, even pay attention to that because the situation now is that Johan Oviedo more than likely is not going to pitch in 2024. Last week, when Chris and I were talking about the additions we would make to the Pirates roster during this offseason, we talked about three starting pitchers, a first baseman, and an outfielder at minimum. And at this point in time, I mean, I think you have to add 
uh, three pitchers. There really isn't anything that I've seen that shows that, you know, you could fill up two spots with what would be considered possible question marks within the Pirates rotation. And that would include, you know, what is Ronzi Contreras when he comes back? Luis Ortiz did get a little bit of the velocity back, but still obviously was not the same pitcher that he was in, in 2022. A Quinn Priester who came up and struggled. Andre Jackson, who when he was overexposed to lineups, uh, more than you know a couple times through didn't look really good Bailey Falter who when he was given an opener looked much different than he did many of the times when he was a starting pitcher there's just too many question marks to kind of even say you know we're going to give two of those spots to however many of those guys and I know people mention uh Jared Jones, Paul Skeens, Anthony Solomito, uh, Bubba Chandler, even further down, like a Thomas Harrington. None of those guys, in my eyes, can be counted on in 2024. Yes, will some of those guys pitch? I mean, if they don't, I would be extremely surprised, especially you know, in the case of a Jared Jones and a Paul Skeens, but to be meaningful parts of the rotation and counting on that in 2024, in a year where Ben Charrington said that the team would try to get to the point where they had at least 84 wins, which would put them in a position to get to the playoffs. I really can't see how if you add how the Pirates have added over the past couple years, which is sort of, you know, either reclamation projects um, in a Tyler Anderson, uh, giving them a shot with like a Jose Quintana, looking for a guy who would hopefully eat innings and would just be a professional within your rotation in Rich Hill and then adding, you know, just a a shot in the dark, a dartboard throw type of player, um, especially like even like with a Vince Velasquez during the previous year. I don't see how that really gets you to the point of where you are improving, especially when we spent the final two months of the season with two legitimate starting pitchers. I don't really know how you feel like you can get out of the gate successfully with three starting pitchers. I know that there's some random weird off days that occur usually at the beginning of the season, but there was also a point in time during this last season where we played like 24 games in like 25 days or something as well. So I don't really know how you can do that. So to me, I mean, this, I mean, I guess it's better that it happened now than happening the way it did, you know, with JT Brubaker, finding that out right after spring training, Vince Velasquez, you know, only making, you know, a little bit over a handful of starts, Mike Burroughs, you know, somebody who we probably would have seen 
and that happening after the season began. So, I mean, at least now there can be a plan put in place. But like I said, once again, I hear people and they're, you know, in my DMs, they're, you know, out there on social media and talking about how, you know, there's guys that can reinforce. Well, I can't really count on those guys, number one, because, I mean, most of them are going to need at least some polishing within the minor leagues. And for most players, there is an adjustment period once they reach the major leagues. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Sticking with starting pitching, Ben Charrington spoke on the MLB Network about adding starting pitching, not only through free agency, uh, but also through trades uh, reported out there. I think that was Kevin Gorman from the Trib said that Charrington was going to attack this offseason. When he made those comments, I just kind of thought in my mind, did he know and thought in my mind right now, not thought in my mind at the time, you know, did he know, you know, what was going on with Johan Oviedo and putting such an emphasis on starting pitching. And people have asked me, you know, kind of why I don't list players that I want the Pirates to acquire or players that I want the Pirates to trade for. And the simple answer to that is that I don't know exactly who the Pirates are targeting. And I could throw out 25, 30, 50 names, and maybe get one of those names right. But I really don't see the point in that. It's like, yeah, I, I got it right. But if you name enough players, I mean, obviously you are going to get it right. To me, like you put these starting pitchers and even the position players, but more importantly, the starting pitchers, especially since that is a huge need for the Pirates this offseason, I put them almost like in tiers and I break down those tiers in my head and it's not even like by players necessarily. It's by, you know, the type of contract those players are most likely to receive. I mean, at the top, you have the players that are looking for the long-term big payout still at the same time, big 
annual, you know, average value on those contracts. Those are the guys that are like the seven, eight years over $200 million, those types of contracts. And then when you move down just slightly, it's like the second tier guys, the guys that, you know, would probably, I mean, who wouldn't want that type of contract, but are more realistic and they're looking for maybe like a, a three to five year contract, still a decent average annual value, but nothing, you know, on the lines of a player that's, that's really looking to cash in. You know, sometimes those may be the players that reach, you know, free agency a little bit earlier and, you know, could get a contract uh, into their early thirties and then, you know, maybe looking hopefully if they perform to get that tier one contract with their next contract. Uh, the tier three guys, I wouldn't really consider them. And I guess they could be bounce back type of guys, but we've often heard this described as almost like a pillow contract. I look at like a Mike Clevenger uh, who signed with the White Sox last year. Uh, you sign, you know, the two-year deal. And some guys will sign the three-year deal, but it has an opt-out after either, you know, the first or the second year, depending on, you know, what type of contract the team is willing them to give them, you know, length of deal. But to me, like, it's a pillow contract because, I mean, the first year, the the average annual value is sometimes a little bit less and then there is, uh, it's usually a player option. Sometimes it's a mutual option, but most of the times in the pillow contracts, it's that player option. And the player option is put in there because, you know, number one, if they perform really well, quote unquote, outperform their contract, then they can opt out and then go out there and get a bigger payday. But it's the pillow in that if they don't perform, and it's only the player option, then they will elect into that player option and then get paid you know, more money because you know there may not be that bigger deal out there for them. A player like Clevenger performed well enough that you know he thought, and he probably is correct, I'm thinking he's going to be you know getting paid more money than he would get in that second year with the White Sox. Moving down, you know, to the lower tiers where we've seen, you know, the Pirates operate at most times is, you know, that that one year either, you know, reclamation type deal in like a Tyler Anderson uh, prove it type deal, you know, with Jose Quintana, which hopefully will lead to a bigger contract. But it's that one year deal where it will pretty much lead to, you know, them trading that player at the deadline i mean unless they are legitimate contenders uh, for you know the wild card division or you know hopefully the world series you might keep those guys around and let them walk uh, but for the most part you're kind of looking to trade them and then to me is the true you know reclamation projects in like a Vince Velasquez. I mean, Vince Velasquez had been with the White Sox during the previous year, had come in as a starter, had bounced the bullpen. When guys got injured, he got put back in the rotation. But it would be look, a guy looking to, 
you know, kind of prove themselves that they can be a starter for the entire year and then hopefully get, you know, a, a tier up or maybe a couple tiers up uh, for their next contract, which obviously would be more money. And then, I mean, the lowest tier is the guys that you have, you know, filling in on, you know, a minor league deal. You sign them to a minor league deal, a quad A player that could possibly work out. To me, I mean, you have to hope, and in my eyes, and you would have to think that at least one of the Pirates signings, and this was even in my eyes prior to uh, the Oviedo news, which you would have to be thinking that you would be going for a player who would be a tear down from those big money guys. And those would be guys that would be looking for those like three to five year deals. And even some of those have, you know, built in uh, options, either player team, mutual options. You would have to think they would go one in that direction. I also would hope that they would go into one there would be a guy who would be like looking for one of those those pillar pillow contracts the guy that would be looking you know hopefully number one i mean you want him to pitch well and he could possibly opt out but if your team starts to be competitive and there's guys that will pitch decent and you know will perform well and then still opt into that because I mean, they do want to get paid, but also they want to you know, win championships. I mean, every player says that, and I don't think it's just you know lip service. I believe that they're playing to win championships. So if you can get a guy that's on you know one of the not the highest tier, but maybe one down, I uh, get a guy who's above you know the types of players the one-year deals that we have signed get somebody on a pillow contract and then also sign you know a guy to one of those one-year deals and maybe even sign a a Vince Velasquez type guy that we talked about last week I mean I kind of said and once again this was before the Oviedo news broke is the possibility of going and getting four guys and that would kind of fit that and one of those can even be I mean we've seen some players there's attached to I guess who may fit into that swing man that if you know one of the players I said nobody's blocked dude that nobody's blocked even if you brought in four guys with Oviedo like I don't see how anybody's blocked like if you get a guy who's like a Vince Velasquez like I've heard people say, well, you signed Vince Velasquez to that contract, so obviously he's going to start. Well, the White Sox signed him the year before, and guys pushed him out of that, and he got pushed to the bullpen. So, I mean, there's nothing saying that, you know, if you pay this guy X amount of dollars that he is going to have to start. I mean, I think it would be like the pillow contract guys and the guys that are higher than that. But I don't see any contract that the Pirates have handed out in the past few years that that guy is going to be like guaranteed to start. I just, I really don't accept that. So, I mean, I think we're at the point here now. Definitely three. I'm still pushing towards four. It's time for Ben Charrington to attack. This is the week where 
you know, there will need to be some more housekeeping. It's the required housekeeping that the Pirates are going to have to do. It's stuff that I've talked about on minor league news and brews uh, with adding players to the 40-man to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. As soon as the arbitration numbers came out, uh, Chris and I started looking at some of those. One of those decisions has already been made as Miguel Anjuar was put on waivers claimed by the Oakland Athletics. So he's not even in that discussion for the arbitration. But I think I finally, I guess I've come to a decision concerning the Rule 5 players. And by the time this comes to your ears, that decision has already going to be made. I am recording this at 3.13 on Tuesday, November 14th. I, I think you have to definitely, you definitely have to protect Braxton Ashcraft. And my reasoning to this goes into the fact that, you know, is he guaranteed to be a starter in the major leagues? No. Does he have the stuff? I believe so. And he's a guy, you know, one year removed from, from Tommy John surgery, came out, pitched only, you know, slightly over 50 innings and looked really, really good. And number two, I feel like he's a guy that would be pretty easy for a major league team to hide in their bullpen for the entire season. And for frame of reference here, look back to the 2021 Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates in, it would have been the 2020 um Rule 5 draft, uh, they selected Luis Oviedo. And Luis Oviedo in 2021 for the Pirates made 22 appearances, pitched 29.2 innings. And if you guys remember, there was like some injury that he needed to, you know, go down or be rested and different stuff, and you can kind of spread that out, especially with a bullpen arm. I mean, so to me, I mean, I feel like Ashcraft, and I think I even mentioned this on minor league news and brews, just kind of seems to be a prototypical player that could be hidden in a bullpen. It's a guy that's injured, had been injured, a guy that could be, you know, you have the ultimate goal of, hopefully stretching him out into a starter can hide him in the bullpen for a season. I mean, if he only has to pitch 29.2 innings in the majors to hold on to him. And yes, the pirates ended up, you know, kind of letting go of Luis Oviedo after that, but you could see how Ashcraft could fall into that category of a guy that you could hide in a bullpen for a year. Beyond that, I mean, Sung Che Chang talked at length about him. Go back and listen to all the episode of Minor League News and Brews. Jace Bowen, do the same. 
to me, I, I've just kind of come to the conclusion that, I mean, if they decide to protect one or both of those guys, wouldn't really have an issue with it. If they didn't protect them from the, the Major League Rule 5 draft, really wouldn't have an issue with it either. I, I really don't know if if either one of those players could contribute in 2024. And I don't know if it's like the caliber of prospect that you'd spend, you know, a 40 man roster spot on for two seasons to kind of just, I don't know, hold on to them and, and think they're going to be selected because that's the other side of this is, I don't know if, you know, I guess you could hide Bowen as a fourth outfielder. I guess you could hide, uh, Chang as a utility man late, you know, inning defensive replacement at at short and second, but I just don't find that as easy as as a pitcher. You have Bowen who has basically only eight games of experience above high A. You have Chang who struggled uh, in jumping to Altoona, I know I've mentioned previously that if he had performed better in Altoona, I would probably be more likely to put him on like that that must protect list. But but to me, it's Ashcraft, and if you want to you know, flip a coin at whoever's your favorite and pick one of those guys, you can. But if if neither one of them, you know, end up getting announced as a player that's being protected, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. Like I said, that's going to be decided uh, today when I'm recording. By the time you listen to this, you can tell me whether I'm smart or whether I'm an idiot. And then, you know, we'll move on to the arbitration. And like I said, arbitration, uh, everybody who's who's left up for arbitration, I mean, I feel like, at this point in time, you know, they are going to be tendered a contract. The only person that I had even, you know, somewhat of, I guess, contemplation about, I mean, beyond Miguel Anjouar, who's already gone, uh, would have been JT Brubaker. But with, you know, the injury to, to Oviedo, with all of the other injuries, with the number probably not being that high. I mean, it was it's it's estimated by MLB trade rumors to be two point two eight million dollars. You might be able to sign him to a little bit underneath that before you even like have to tender the contract. I mean, that could come out uh, before the deadline on Friday. But I mean, I, I think that if he can contribute any innings, uh, even if it's towards the end of next season I mean you're gonna have to fill innings in some way so I, I don't see them moving on from him now uh, Ryan Barucki 1.3 million dollars pick it up Mitch Keller six million dollars pick it up David Bednar 4.7 million dollars pick it up and in my eyes Connor Joe two million dollars I've seen him as you know somebody out there and he was even listed as a potential non-tender candidate for me I'm tendering him. He's a good bench bat, overexposed. He's not a starter. So I think that people kind of soured on him towards the end of the season. But if you have him in a bench role, you know, filling in in right field, filling in in first base, whatever it may be, I feel like you need players like Connor Joe 
on the team. And once again, you know, you can listen to this. And then after that decision's made, you can tell me I'm smart. You can tell me I'm an idiot. But hopefully next week, Chris will be back and you won't have to listen to my voice the entire time. And more importantly for me, I can bounce some of my ideas off of Chris because I really like to do that because he gives opinions at times that you know, kind of really make me think and hoping that you guys enjoy this one. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say.